Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Is Jesus still Lord? How long do you think he's going to be Lord? All right, there you go. That's true. I've been teaching a series, a series that was given to me a while ago. And I started on that series, and I'll continue to today with the third point, the second part of the third point. And we said that of the five things that God wants us to take to a higher level, that was the title of the series, God wants us to take five things to a higher level. Well, the first thing we said was intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that's what Laura was just uh, encouraging us in, our intimacy with Jesus Christ. And we wanted to um, be able to say what Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We want to be able to say when you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. When you listen to me, you have heard Jesus. When you see what I do, you have seen what my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what he does and what he's done. Now, that's very important. But to get there, I said that we had to work hard on being diligent, and that's also what I said, being, being diligent to persevere in the things of him. We need to read the Word of God. We need to meditate on the Word of God. Or we need to memorize the Word of God. We also need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to be that way too. And we need to take the character of Christ and say, okay, I want this character to be my character. That's what I want. His, his character to be my character. And that takes practice. I want to practice long-suffering. I want to practice being kind. I want to practice being gentle. I want to practice all these things that Christ is to me. I want to practice, practice those things so that uh, people can say, well, you know, this is a kind person. This is a gentle person. This is a loving person. Uh, he shows brotherly kindness. We went through that. That was the first thing that God wants us to take to a higher level. The second thing was our, our personal outreach to, one, uh, to others, uh, to the world. He wants us to, to reach out uh, in a more personal way than we have been doing in the past. He wants us to take that to a higher level. Uh, and, and we had a guest speaker, uh, Don Sunshine, to, to give us a seminar on that, a one-day seminar on that. Uh, then last week we introduced to you uh, the third thing that God wants us, first thing being intimacy with him, taking it to a higher level. Second thing was to take to a higher level is our, our personal outreach. And the third thing wanted to take to a higher level is our willingness to serve in areas of need uh, in, in our church body. Just like we'll take uh, our, our, to a higher level our desire and our uh, help of one another in our household, we want to do that same thing in a larger household, which is a church. We want to take that to a higher level because without that, you're going to burden uh, the people in your household if the weight is all on them and, and you do a little or nothing to to help out, to lift that load. God wants us to lift loads off people. And so we introduced that last time. And so we're going to jump right in and finish that message uh, today. There are two kingdoms that I want you to be concerned about. Two kingdoms. It's the kingdom of, of God 
and it's the kingdom of this world. And we are in both kingdoms, is that correct? We're in both kingdoms. We live here uh, in our physical body. We're in this present world, uh, and it has rules. It has regulations. It has things that uh, it seems right and logical to do. Uh, but our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we need to be heavenly minded in where we are from and not earthly minded where we are. Even though the heavenly realm is going to affect the natural realm. It's going to do that. And not vice versa. It's going to do that. So what we want to do is to say, okay, God, what are your laws and of the natural realm that you want us to lay aside and what are the rules of the kingdom of God or kingdom of Christ what what are those rules that you want us to be more conscientious of well let's look in Matthew we're going to go through a couple of scriptures a couple of three scriptures and then we're going to uh, give you a couple of examples uh, for today in Matthew chapter 20 Verse 28. We're going to concentrate on the two kingdoms right now. Verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, The third thing that God wants us to take to a higher level is our willingness to serve in areas of need. Well, our example must be Jesus Christ. He's our example. So what what did he do when he he walked this earth? He said that, and what is he doing now? He's serving us now. He's ever interceding on our behalf. And it says here that just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, what should that tell us to do? Uh, uh, We're here on this earth to be served or to serve? To serve. We're here to serve. Now, is Jesus only serving in one area because we said last week we don't know what his giftings are, but we know he's, he does some everything. Uh, is, he, is he one-dimensional? He said, well, you know what? I'm ever interceding for your behalf, so I'm not going to do anything else. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to intercede for you. Don't ask me to do anything else. Is that what you think our Lord is like? No. No. What else is he? What else is he doing besides ever interceding on our behalf? Isn't he upholding everything by the word of his power? Everything is upheld by the word of his power. Everything. Everything. Does he know what's going on in your life, in my life, in the life of your loved ones? In the life of the world, does he know what's going on? Is he involved in that? If, if 
if I come before him and say, you know, I want to take my intimacy with you to a higher level, and he said, look, don't bother me now. I'm ever interceding on your behalf. I don't think so. I don't think so. He wants to meet with us, doesn't he? Each one of us, no matter where we're located, no matter what part of the world the body of Christ is in, he's meeting with them also because he can do all things at one time. Omnipresence, he's there. We want to be able to do more than one thing too, don't we? We want to pray for one another. But don't we want to encourage one another daily? Sure, we want to do that too. And in our serving, they're serving, praying. They're serving one another, uh, encouraging one another daily. It's also encouraging to have somebody back there operating the sound system so this mic will work. Thank you, Noah. Very important. It's very important for somebody to put the scriptures on the screen if you didn't bring your electronic device or your hard copy, the Bible. If you didn't bring it, then, then great. My goodness gracious, we, we need that. The worship team did such a fine job, didn't it? Brian, you surprised me, brother. I saw Brian, I said, whoo, look at Brian. He's up there, you know. Oh. <coughs> Isn't it great? Isn't it great that, that we have people who serve in that capacity? And not only do they serve on Sunday morning, but they also have to come on uh, one day during the week. I think it, it used to be on, on Tuesdays. I don't know what it still is now. Is it still Tuesdays? Uh, they, they come on Tuesday night to, to, to practice and, and be ready for you. Uh, so we have a prayer team. They, they, they're praying on, on, a, uh, on a night also, uh, Thursday nights. They, they have praise time on, a, on a, I think it's the fourth, uh, maybe fourth Friday of every month. Uh, we have people doing a multitude of things during the week. That's great. They're serving. Isn't that great? They're serving. We have people. So how many of you have seen that the bushes out front, those the shrubbery, gets trimmed and cut periodically? Have, have you all ever noticed? You would have noticed it if it weren't because it's been five years since we of five, six years since we've been here, if nobody trimmed them, don't you know you probably wouldn't be able to see out the window? But somebody trimmed them. And it was not me. Guarantee you. I can tell you another, it was not, none of the elders weren't. None of us. Is that right, John? None of us did it. But somebody did it. Is that serving? That's serving. That's serving. Somebody's with the kids. I don't know who, but somebody is with them. I see you sitting here, so somebody's in there. Somebody's in there, so I don't know who it is, but somebody's serving. So we have a multitude of people who are, who are serving, and, and that's what God says is the Son of Man. He did not come to be served. And the, the kingdom of this world, that's what the kingdom of the world, the higher you are, let's say the CEO of whoever, BMW, whatever, you're not going to see that that person doing what the lower people do. The lower people do all the, all the serving, all the media jobs, but they don't do that type of serving. Is that correct? Right. 
You might not even see the CEO of some company. You might not even see them because they don't do that type of thing. But not in the, in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, people could get to Jesus, couldn't they? I don't care who they were, they could get to Jesus. But see, you're not going to get to the CEO of, of most companies. I, I don't know uh, about, about you, uh, but, but can you get to the CEO of your company anytime you go over his house and chat with him when you want to? <laughs> no, you don't do that, right? You don't do that. Don't do that. But you could do it with Jesus. So he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. That's what I want our testimony to be, is that we are here on this earth to serve, to serve the Lord. I'm not interested in serving a person. I'm interested in serving the Lord. Because if I serve the Lord, I'm going to automatically serve people. Automatically. Because that's what Jesus does. I don't have to worry about uh, loving one another. If I love the Lord, I'm going to love you. Right? Yeah. Because God is love. So we got to love one another if, if, if we're going to love him. And if we love him, we're going to keep his commandments. And his commandments is to serve one another as he has served us. To love one another as he has loved us. To do to others as you would have them do to you. So that's why this message on serving is so important. Because without it, we couldn't have church. You just couldn't. Couldn't have church. So thank you for all those who serve. And many of you are serving. Many of you are serving. Don't ever worry about and be concerned about, well, I can't, I can't volunteer. I see it in the bulletin that there's a volunteer uh, for this. We need workers for this. We need this. We need that. But I'm not going to volunteer because uh, I might, uh, they might use me up. You know, I, I, I don't want to be used up. You know, uh, I want to be limited in what I do. Don't ever, ever be concerned about that because the kingdom of heaven is a little bit different than the kingdom of this earth. Let's go to another scripture in Matthew 23, 11. Let's go there. says for the greatest among you shall be your servant that's the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of earth like that no no the kingdom of earth not like that whoever exalts himself shall be humbled that's the kingdom of heaven whoever humbles himself, shall be exalted. That's the kingdom of heaven. See, we are concerned about humbling ourselves. We are concerned about, uh, well, I don't want to, I don't want somebody else to lead me. I want to lead. 
because I want to be in charge. I want to be to tell other people what to do, not them tell me what to do. But in the kingdom of heaven, it's different. If you humble yourself, you're actually going to be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you're going to actually be humble because God's going to humble you. He, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's the way the kingdom of heaven works. So servanthood is a great thing that, that I can see why, and you can see why he said that this must go to a higher level. You can see why all three of them need to go to a higher level because we, we can't really serve one another like Jesus wants us to serve one another if we don't have that intimacy with him. If his character is not our character, then we can't do that. We can't do it. We can't reach out to others and, and, and be inconvenienced by doing that if our heart is not like his heart is he has a heart for the lost. So this is a great third part that God wants us to do. Uh, not only do I want your intimacy to be uh, go to a high level, not only do I want your outreach personally to go to a high level, I want your serving one another to go to a, a higher level. And please don't tell me that, you know, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Because we know we all can do what we want to do. We can make time to do what we want to make time to do. We can do that. And I want to know, I, I want Jesus to know that I have given my life to him. So therefore, he just tells me what he wants me to do and I'll do it. Because I'm here for that reason. Yes, I have a job to do. Yes, I have a family. He knows I need to work because he said, if you don't work, you don't eat. He knows that uh, your mate is very important. And you need to uh, be spending time with your mate. You need to be spending time with your children. He knows all that. So why would he have you serving so much that you can't spend time with your mate, you can't spend time with your children, you can't, you can't work. That's not Jesus. So he's not going to do that, so you don't have to really be concerned about that. He's saying that I want you to be great. And all of us, if you ask anybody, do you want to be great? They'll say, yes, I want to be great. How, how great do you want to be? As great as I can be, I want to be great. Do you want to serve? Serve? No, I really don't want to serve. You know. You know, try try sometime. You know, uh, try to tell your children. Hey, you want to be great? Go clean up your room. Wash the dishes. You know. You know, so what? That doesn't sound like. That doesn't sound like to me being great. That sounds like to me being a servant. You know. Well, in the kingdom of heaven, that's being great, isn't it? That's being great. I said, oh, that's, that's good, God, that's good. You're helping 
you're helping us to see that there is a difference. There is a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this, this world. Let's go to Matthew 10. Let's look there. Verse 30. Matthew 10, 30. Matthew 10, 30. The kingdom of heaven is so weird. Because I've grown up in the kingdom of this world and I've learned the rules and regulations. You know, you learn how to how to get along, you learn how to do things. I was um uh, in my younger ignorant days, I, I was um you said, Well, has those days changed? <laughs> well well when I was younger, let's put it that way, what what happened was that I was teaching over uh, Dunbar when it was an intermediate school. Uh, it's probably, is it still an intermediate school? No, it's not an intermediate school now. It was an intermediate school when they first desegregated the schools in, in uh, uh, 1970. Uh, in the summer of 1970, they desegregated the school and everything, and, and they did away with Dunbar as a high school because Dunbar was all black and glass was a freedom of choice. You could go there if you wanted to go there uh, if you were black. And so they had some blacks there. And anyway, they desegregated the schools. And the, and the fella asked me, uh, I, I was teaching the ninth graders at, Le- at Lincoln. They said, well, Coach, do, um, uh, do we have to go to school with them? I said, well, I'm one of them. And he said, no, you're not, you're not like they are. Well, how does he know how they are? He never went to school how they were. You see? Uh, so he doesn't know how they were. I said, they are just like me. And, and, and we have some just like you, you know. <laughs> you know? Uh, so uh, because we had some of every, everything over, over, over Lincoln. We had some good students. We had some bad students, you know. Uh, so uh, but when, when uh, uh, back in those, the, the, that time, I said, man, you know, uh, I don't know how God wants to use me. And actually, God started using me as an ambassador for his back then. Well, he actually started before then. He started when I was, when I was doing um, my student teaching because I did student teaching. I went to, I went to uh, what they call NCC, which is North Carolina College. It's now North Carolina Central University. I went, to, I went there, and it was, it was 99.9999999% uh, black, and we had maybe one uh, white there that was on the track team from somewhere. Uh, but uh, nobody talked to him. But uh, <laughs> I'm serious. But uh, that was back in the, in, the, in the ignorant days. But um, the, the, the thing that, that's very interesting is that God put me at Brogdon Junior High School to do my student teaching. And Brogdon Junior High School was all what? White. And I said, wow. And see, I'd never been around whites before. You know, I just read about them in the paper um, because I played football and I would read the sports page because it was covered with uh, Rocky Mountain Senior High School uh, Blackbirds. And, and they, uh, they, and we had a little article about that size about Booker T. Washington, where I was, where, where, where I was from. So I didn't know a lot about them. But God started using me back then to show me 
uh, that we're all the same. There's no difference except our color. There's no difference except what people make of that, that thing. And so when I came to church here, it helped me tremendously. Uh, and I never wanted to leave because uh, it was a, a church that was multicultural. And I never had been to a church uh, like that before because the church my mother took me to was all black. Uh, and so uh, God has, you know, a funny way of doing things. And I said, well, you know what? Uh, it's very important for me to realize that uh, we need to love one another at Cornerstone. We don't want anybody at Cornerstone to try to uh, take us from our vision of being uh, multicultural. We don't want that because heaven is multicultural. It is. And so uh, when we look at the kingdom of heaven, and it seems to be weird, uh, it's not really weird. But when some people come through those doors to visit us, it probably seems weird to them if they grew up in a uh, pretty much segregated situation. It might seem weird to them. But it's not weird uh, because it's just the kingdom of this world is like that, but the kingdom of heaven is different. And so in this verse, in verse 39 of, of Matthew 10, it seems to be weird when he says that he who has found his life will lose it. And see, that's weird. How can you find something? If I lose something, you say, well, if you find it, you're going to lose it. It's already lost. What do you mean if I find it, I'm going to lose it? Then he says, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Doesn't that seem weird? Because the kingdom of this world doesn't operate like that. It really doesn't. If you find something, you got it. If you lose something, you got to, you're going to try to find it. But he says that about our life, and this life is, is our suke in the Greek, it's a, it's a suke, which means our, our emotions, our will, our intellect, this part of our brain. That's where the battle is anyway. That's what Satan tries to take away from you is your, your will, your intellect. He wants your will to be his will. That's what Satan wants. He wants your desires to be his desires. And see, God wants just the opposite, doesn't he? He wants your will to be his will. And so it's a battle in our mind to resist the kingdom of this world. And so that's why he says, if you, if he who has found his life will lose it. I don't want to find my life because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I gave my mind, my will, my intellect, my want to. I gave that to him in exchange for the life that he died for me. Because he's not asking me to die for him physically. 
he did that for me. He's asking me to die to my selfish ways, my intellect. He wants me to die to that for him. Will you now turn your will over to me? Will you now turn your desires over to me? Will you do that for me in exchange for what I have done for you? And if I say, no, you know what? I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend any more time with you than I already spent because I have a five-minute devotional and that's all I have time for because I got things I need to do. I got to go to the gym in the morning. I got to get, get back and take a shower. I got to go to work. When I come home, I, I, got, I got things I got to do. I don't have any more time that I really want to spend with you. I'm spending enough because, after all, it's not about works anyway. It's about grace. Thank you for your grace, Lord. I'm, you gave me grace to spend five minutes. That's all I'm going to do. I don't care what, what Laura Fox said. I'm not spending any more time. Right? Well, he who has found his life will lose it. And that it is his, not his suitcase, not that, but he, he has actually going to lose his life, his eternal life. Because you've never given your life to Christ anyway. You say, well, I thought you all believe in, uh, you know, the eternal security of a believer. What well, is if you're a believer? But how do we know you're a believer? How does God know you're a believer? If, if, if you have not given your life to Christ, if you haven't given your suitcase to Christ, if you're, not, if you're still your own, you're still making decisions about your life, what you want to do, not what he wants you to do, but what you want to do. You have, you have now found your life, so you're going to lose your life. That's what he's saying. And it says, and he who has lost his life, you, you lost your suitcase. You done lost your, your will. You, you say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. If you want me to spend more time, I'll spend more time. I'll just get up earlier. You say, well, I need eight hours of sleep. As a matter of fact, I need, on weekends, I need about 12 hours of sleep. You know? He don't care how long you sleep. He really doesn't. Because sleep is a good thing. It helps your immune system. See, he wants you to sleep. But too much sleep, the Bible says it's not good for you. A little sleep, a little slumber, you know, you, you, a little folding of the hands, and, and your grass going to grow up high, you know, all your shrubs are going to grow up high. And after a while, man, you're not going to be able to see, see your house. If you, if, if you don't take care of your house, you let that house sit, sit there, and you don't take care of it, man, you, everything, everything going to take over that house. The weeds going to take over. After a while, as years go by, you want the, the roof start falling in, and I don't know how in the world that, that happens. I really don't. But you can see a building, and if it sits long enough, it's going to start tearing apart. So, so God, I want to lose my life. Help me. Help me to lose my life more than I have lost my life. Because I still enjoy doing some things uh, that, Laura said that there's junk. You did say there's junk, didn't you? 
Don't back down now. <laughs> oh. But she was correct. I got. I have to be if God said, "Look, you know, um, you need to do this a little bit more." And and my wife told me that this morning. She said, um, "Have you prayed over our offerings yet?" I said, "No, I haven't gotten around to it yet." I said, "We'll pray on the, on the way to church." She said, "You ought to cut off the TV and not watch the game, and then you, then then you could you could pray over." That's what she said. That's what she said. And then Laura would come and say, well, y'all stop watching that junk. <laughs> but when you at my house, I mean, what you, <laughs> man, it was not sin. It was just, I, w- I wanted to, you know, check it out a little bit. I just watched the first half anyway. Uh, I didn't watch all of it, just watched the first half. Yeah. Watching Andy Griffith and Lord and call it <laughs> jump, man. I man. My goodness gracious. Getting all over me. My wife get on me, and then give a word of encouragement and, it, and the word of encouragement jumped on me and I my goodness gracious, you know. Maybe Andy Griffith is jump. I don't know. Hey, you know. But it was though really because I saw Andy Griffith light a cigarette. I said, What in the world? And the Griffin and Opie was right there. What in the world? But sometimes you want to just relax and do nothing. And uh, so sometimes I just sit in my office and prop my feet up and, and put on uh, instrumental music and just close my eyes and just 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 do that. And then I start praying. I just pray. And, and I, I just do that. I just pray in the spirit all the time doing that. But after a while... I want to do a little something different. But I still have to realize that if I don't spend time with God, then I need to stop looking at that. I need to stop doing some of that, and I need to do what God has called me to do because I truly want to lose my life. I truly want to lose my life, my suitcase. My suitcase. I want to lose that thing. I don't want it to be my will. I don't want it to be what I want to do. I want to be what God wants me to do. The kingdom of this world is different from the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it? It is. It is. Let me uh, go to two examples of that. One we'll we'll talk about and we're going to give two examples. One is Joshua. Joshua grew up as a servant. We're talking about Joshua, the son of Nun. That's how they they recognize the difference of the people in the Bible because all of them were called by the first name. Uh, Or either he was a son of this or son of this person. Uh, But we're talking about this person, Joshua, who was the servant of Moses. And the Bible says he was an attendant of Moses from his youth. From his youth. How many youths do we have in here today? I'll say, we'll say, what is a youth? Because I'm young. 
everybody's in here young. Um, but if you truly, the world's definition of, of you probably would be a teenager. Would that be correct? Well, how many teenagers do we have in there? Okay. We got a, we got a, uh, you got another addition to your youth group back at town. She's a teenager, yeah. Okay, so um, from his youth, it says that he was an attendant of Moses. How many, how many people do you know, Virgil, how many, how many teenagers do you know that want to be somebody's servant? You don't know anything. Won't won't you won't you ask Victoria? Would you be my servant? <laughs> Victoria, look at her. Hey, forget about that. Forget about that. You know, nobody wants to be anybody's servant. But Moses had a servant, and his name was what? Joshua, the son of Nun. He was his servant from a youth. Now you might think that that's a bad thing to be somebody's servant. You might think it's a bad thing. I don't want to go out there in the hot sun and, and cut those bushes in, in front of the church. I see they need cutting. You know, you all see a lot of things that, that somebody need to do, don't you? <laughs> you know, that's how you put Somebody need to do that. You know? Somebody need to fill these holes in this, in this parking lot because it's, it's getting kind of bad, you know. Uh, water accumulates in it. Somebody need to bring some... Some, some maybe rocks and put in it. Somebody needs to do this right here. Somebody needs to do that. But have you ever figured that maybe God showed you for you to be that somebody to do it, you see? But here's Joshua was his servant. And when, you, when you're somebody's servant, you learn a lot of things about that person. And so Joshua was learning a lot about Moses. It wasn't that Joshua was such a bad person, Virgil. Joshua was not a bad person and, and a weak person that, that he has to be a servant because he can't be nothing else. That's his gift of servant. Because, see, some people have a gift of a servant, just like people have a gift of, of, of you know, a prophetic gift or, or, or somebody have a gift of praying or whatever their gift might be uh, to show mercy. But his gift was not necessarily serving. It really wasn't. Because as we track Joshua's life, we see Joshua as one of the leaders of the tribe of Ephraim that he was sent out as a spy with the other uh, 11. There was 12 of them. We see that. So he was ahead of his clan. So how did he go from serving to be ahead of his clan because God elevated him. That's why. And, and you know he wasn't just, well, I'm serving him because I have to. I'm trying, I'm, uh, you know, I got to do this because that's the only way I'm going to get ahead is I serve him. If I play up to him and, and you know, bring him an apple a day, he might, you know, uh, say some nice things about me. I believe that Joshua was serving God by serving Moses. Because as we go on in this situation, we hear Joshua and Caleb 
being different from the other ten. Because the, the other ten brought back from their spine out an evil report, didn't they? They were heads of their clan, clan too. But I believe that Joshua had the heart of God. That's why I believe he served God. He had the heart of God. He learned how to, how a man of God responds in different situations because he was around Moses. You remember the situation where Moses went to attend the meeting and was meeting with God, and when, when Moses left out, what did Joshua do? Joshua, he, he stayed there, and he's going to meet with God. He's he going to practice something. Just he practice what he see you know, the, the, the leader do. You see? So serving is a good thing because you learn a lot of things that others don't learn, that don't, that don't serve because they're not around them a lot of times. And so I believe that as, as time went on, we see that not even Caleb, who had a great report also, Caleb was tough. He was, he was leader of his tribe tribe of, of Judah. He, he, he was leader, but we don't see the same thing said about Caleb that was said about Joshua. Both of them were preserved because both of them was about 40 years old and all the rest of them, uh, people, uh, the other leaders, it was hard on them because they died on a plague. The rest of the people uh, died in the wilderness those 40 years, but those leaders who brought back the evil report, they died in the plague, but Joshua and Caleb They'll preserve. They were just as strong at 80 as they were at 40. And see, then we see what happens to, to Joshua because he served the man of God all these years. Then when now my servant Moses, he, he, he's dead, Joshua, I want you to lead him into the promised land. He went from serving, serving, to leading God's people. Serving is not a bad thing. Serving actually is a good thing. He who serves the most, actually, he said, is the greatest, isn't he? Let's go to another example. In Kings, William Samuel, rather, and we see King Saul. Now, King Saul was made a leader. He was made a leader uh, by, by God because the men, the, the, the people wanted a leader. They didn't want God to be their leader, his, their, their, uh, their leader, so they wanted a leader just like the world wanted a leader. So he gave them a leader, he gave them Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Let's, let's go there. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 9. I'm going to start at a place to give you a backdrop. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a backdrop. And this backdrop is very interesting. It says, and, and you shall go down before me to Gilgal. 
This is Samuel telling Saul. Remember, Samuel was prophesying to Saul all the things that's going to happen to him, all the things, all these things. And this is one of the things. And behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offering and sacrifice peace offering. You shall wait seven days. Okay, there's a key thing. Seven days. Who's going who's gonna to offer the sacrifice? Samuel. Samuel the prophet. He said, I'm going to offer the, uh, the burnt offering and the peace offering. He says, you shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you shall do. So we got a couple things here. We got burnt offerings and sacrifices. Uh, peace offerings are going to be made by Samuel. We got Samuel tells him to wait seven days until I come to you. See, you shall wait seven days until I come to you. And then I'm going to show you what to do. Okay, we're going to pick it up at, at um, 1 Samuel. We're going to pick it up at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 9. We're going to pick it up there. Now, all of us know the history of Saul. Okay, but this is a this is very interesting here to 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 the message that says that so so Saul said now Saul was saying this because what happened was that okay the Philistines came out against Saul and they were like sand on the seashore I mean they 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 were multitude of them the people started hiding Israel started hiding in in caves in in holes I mean they they were just going away and some of them went across to another area. Man, Saul was, was losing his, his people by the droves. So, so Saul said, this is verse 9, bring to me the burnt offering and the peace offering. Now why did he say that? And he offered the burnt offering. Now why did he offer what does Samuel tell him to do? Who, who's supposed to offer the, the burnt offering? Okay. Uh, uh, Samuel's supposed to do it. Okay. Uh, on this thing, Samuel said, I'm going to do it. Which, which, which Samuel was a, was a prophet. He, he's, a, he's a priest. He's the one that's supposed to do this thing. This is what he told him. But see, Saul said, bring it to me. I'm going to do it. Now, when God tells us to do something, do it. You remember, you, you, do you remember uh, Jesus said at, at, at a wedding at Cana? He said, she said, Jesus, they're they giving out wine. They, they, they don't gave out, man. What they got to do with me? One more, I mean, what's it got to do with me? My time hasn't come. She turned away, him, go here. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. She ain't paying no attention to it, Jesus. Why, she knows her, her son. He's compassionate. He cares. He's at a wedding. He's supposed to have some wine. Okay. So, 
whatever God tells us to do, we're supposed to do. As soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Oh, man. See, a lot of times God is waiting. Now, you say, well, well, he should have come when he's supposed to have come, see? Samuel went out to meet him and to greet him. But Samuel said, what have you done? What have you done? And just like the, our nature we got from Adam, Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the appointed days. In other words, it's your fault, Sammy. We all, we all know that, don't we? We all know how to point things. It's your fault. Why are you getting on me? It's your fault. You were supposed to come in seven days. In seven days, it was the seventh day. You hadn't come. Is the day old with Saul? No, but I mean it's seven days, though. It's seven days and you didn't come. But didn't I tell you that I was going to offer the burnt offering? I was going to sacrifice a piece of Didn't I tell you that? Yeah, but you don't understand. See, he said, because I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not, you did not come within the appointed uh, days and that the Philistines, they were assembling a mishmash. You don't, you, you, you don't understand this thing. Here are the people running. They're going out. Here's all these coast of, coast of I got to I got to do something. You didn't come, and so I got to do something. You should be thankful that I did something. Oh. Therefore, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So, Samuel, I forced myself. I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. I didn't want to do it, but I forced myself to do this thing. All right, so. Samuel said to Saul, You have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord. Because I told you this, what to do. I told you what I was going to do. I told you the way and I was going to do this thing. Listen to this now. You remember last week I told you, sometimes we don't even know what God has in store for us. And sometimes we, 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 um, we say, well, I'm not going to do this. I know God said this, but circumstances, God don't understand. He doesn't understand the circumstances. The circumstances has changed, so that means I have to change. God understands. He's a merciful God. He'll understand. Well, there's always a consequence for our sin. Yes, Jesus Christ prayed, prayed for our sins on the cross, past, 
present, future. You can ask for forgiveness, can't we? We can ask for forgiveness. He'll forgive us, won't he? And cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But there are consequences for our sin, isn't there? And he says that, <laughs> oh my goodness. He says, for now, the Lord would have, would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Forever. Now that sounds like something he did for who? David. Something he did for David. He said, but now the kingdom, your kingdom, shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man as his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So what David, see, when, when I read this, and we know that all scriptures God breathes. When we read this, we say, well, you mean to tell me that Saul blew an opportunity that he would be, his kingdom would endure forever if he just would have kept the commandment of the, of the, the Lord said through Samuel, I want you, Samuel, I want you, look, look, I want you to wait for me, wait for me, and, and I'll be there and I'll offer the things, and I, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And see, he didn't wait. And because he didn't wait, he didn't do what God said. So therefore, he lost his heritage. I mean, this is going to be, and Saul wasn't going to live forever, but it would have been going on just like it's going on for David. It would be going on from generation to generation to generation to generation to Jesus to generation. I mean, it's going to go on. He says forever. That's what he said, forever. I was going to do that. See, Saul didn't have any idea that God was going to do that. Didn't have any idea. It might have changed things if, if God says, uh, Sam said, look, and if you wait now, look, let me tell you what's going to happen. The first thing is going to come against you, and I'm telling you, the people are going to scatter and everything, but you just wait, you just wait, because God, what God's going to do, God's going he's to he's establish your kingdom forever, and you just wait for me. He might would have waited. But see, God doesn't tell us all that, does he? He doesn't tell us what's in store for us. He just tells you to obey. Because he says to obey, obey is better than sacrifice. So, don't, don't, uh, so when he tells us to do something, I, I told you last week, I want you to receive, and I want to receive all that God has for you. And it's my responsibility uh, to teach you to wait upon God, to obey God, because even when it seems really ridiculous, it seems ridiculous to me, when somebody say, well, if you save your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life, you're going to save it. What? That seems ridiculous to me. And when he tells us some of those things, that you, you need to serve. You know, serve, serve. I want you to serve people. I'm a servant. I want you to serve people. You say, wow. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend more time with you than I'm already spending. I don't want to reach out any more than I'm reaching out. I don't want to serve any more than I'm serving. Don't you see that what I'm doing? 
I'm already serving. Why should I serve some more? You ought to be satisfied I'm doing this little serving. No, he has something for you that you don't have no clue about. You say, yeah, but he didn't have it for, for uh, uh, here's another man of God who was like that, uh, uh, who, who, who went out, and Caleb, Caleb wasn't the leader. Let me tell you something. Caleb got everything that Caleb wanted. He did. Even at 80 years old, he wanted the best of the land. But the giants was on. He got it. He got it. And his daughter came to him. Hey, give me some. You gave me some land here for me and my husband, but we need some springs of water on it. He gave it to her. I'm going to tell you, both men were great men. But both, both, both men were obedient men, too. And especially Joshua, who served. Moses from a young age. Don't be, don't be despising, despising servants, please. Because that's the, that's the, the lesson I wanted to get to you. Because you don't know what God has for you. I have no idea what God has for me. I have no idea. All I know is that, that I'm going to, what I put my hands to, I'm going to keep doing until they change. If he asks me to serve more, I'm going to serve more. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.